You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are back post-annual uh, uh, Grump and Cranky family Christmas party game, and in tradition, the Giants lost pretty much <laughs> right off of the, the jump there. Um, 24-6, the DeVito dream... I don't want to say it died. I mean, he's already had a real stinker of the game against the Cowboys. So, I mean, the, the DeVito thing was always always kind of a fun little meme, and this was no better or worse than other games we've seen from him. I think the DeVito fever dream has died. I mean, the people can you can still love him. You can still think he's a, a fun story and all that stuff. But Well, from all think- accounts, he's, an, he's a very likable person because he doesn't say or do anything that's too stupid or annoying or anything. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. And I don't know, I can't see you, uh, but um, you want to tell him really quick what your Christmas present was? I, I should have worn it. It's very hot, so I'm not. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll throw up a picture. Um, I'm going to throw up a picture in the broadcast. I'm going to have to take a different one than the one I took last night. Or maybe uh, I'll pull one from yesterday. Um, but uh, I'll throw that up on the screen right after I crack open this double IPA from local brewery Oak Flower Brewing. This beer, I love this beer because every time I crack it, it instantly foams up all over the top. But it tastes really good. It's pretty Jesus boozy. No, it's, it's, it's the beer. It's, I didn't shake it. It's been sitting here. Um, but this place is great. It's a really small business. They're popping up all over. Breweries are kind of the new thing. Microbreweries, um, distilleries as well. And... Uh, Good beer, small small business, uh, easy to promote thing, something everybody likes, just like us. So crack open an Oak Flower Brewing, tell a friend about Just Giants Podcast. And uh, that's me right there wearing the greatest Christmas presents I've ever – I mean that that's quick turnaround on your part. This picture is literally like seven seven days old that you it's had to reference. Fan- it's pretty fantastic because I, I, I wish I – I wish I had the right person who actually tweeted this. It was one of the writers. I don't know if it was Art Stapleton or, or Jordan Randall or one of them. Actually, they had a picture from Sunday and had a link that said, if you want to buy this, here's the link to buy it. And the first thing I thought was was Grump because we're having our big annual family Christmas party on Sunday where he referenced where we always watch the Giants lose and uh, the power of next day air. It was delivered and uh, he was the head of the party. I, I am – I didn't. I didn't take it off. Literally, I wore it all the way home in the car. Um, it's pretty, pretty fantastic. Yeah. And I had it on for like, I want to say an hour sitting in my apartment. It's just not. It's not cool in here. It's very warm. Uh, so yeah. It, when I first opened, I was like, "What is this? Like a feather boa? What? What the hell did he give me?" Uh, and when it finally dawned on me, I was like, "This is probably the greatest gag gift I've ever gotten." Um, gag. Yeah. All right, fine. I will, I will wear it to uh, every press conference we have, um, maybe down to the Senior Bowl or something. Once we get our 1,000th um, sub there you on go. YouTube, we will have a press conference. You can wear um, The only thing is, the only bummer is that the Christmas party was like a week too early for the possibility of Christmas cards. That's true. 
Yeah. Well, that's why we have Instagram. So. Well, you know what? Sense. I can use the picture now for next year. So, um, I I, I love that. Also, thank you. That is that is just outstanding. Um, <laughs> and and the joke didn't get old either. Like uh. No, yeah. I mean we were at a party where you know it's it's we have a pretty traditional Italian Maltese family, so there are lots of trays of pasta and trays of chicken, and so it felt like we were having holidays with the DeVitos anyway. So it was it just fit in perfectly. So I, I know you and I were talking about this off off uh, off podcast, but I mentioned on the preview show that we had briefly discussed the possibility of uh, setting up a camera and recording what that party is like in front of the TVs. And it's not – especially this year, it wasn't wild and crazy. There was a lot less people than normal. But uh, I honestly think that would have been fun because there's a core group of the family that are big football fans. And then there's a core group that are there. Uh, and they just know fans, they, we're just fans of us because we're great. They're, they're fans they, of happiness they the and they hear yeah. cheering. So they cheer too. And I honestly think that family members walking in and out with food and drinks into the screen, asking stupid questions about what the penalty was for. I honestly thought it would have been hilarious. Um, but it was and, too, we thought of it way too late. And it may happen in 2024 again, when we're four and 10 or whatever we are and we're looking for a gag. So honestly, I, I, I would hope that, Next year, rain or shine in terms of uh, season, you know what I mean? Because I think it's fun either way. I think if they're terrible or if they're good, it's still fun because you have a, a half of the family that loves football and the other half that doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> and then the other the other half are Jet fans. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, you know, we didn't we don't we don't choose our family. Um, we choose Obviously. our teams. <laughs> nice. Um, all right, so this game, twenty-four to six. What happened? What's different? Nothing, in my opinion. I, I don't think anything. Uh, there's some things that I think made this game interesting, um, but for the most part, like what happened with the offense, I don't think a lot changed. Uh, I think mostly they were dealing with a completely different style of defense. This was very much what two weeks ago beating New England felt like. I mean, I we went into some level of detail about Green Bay decided that they were going to try and force Tommy DeVito to beat them dink and dunk. He was going to have to complete a lot of passes. He was going to have to make a lot of correct decisions. But the offset of that was that Green Bay wasn't going to pressure him. And he called their bluff. I mean, he stepped up to the challenge. He completed the passes he needed to complete. He extended plays. He made some brilliant throws in that game. And when given time, he looked almost like he belonged on an NFL field. He clearly still looked like a backup in that game, but he didn't look like a third stringer. He looked like a backup in that game. Well, when you bring pressure and you do end tackle stunts like New Orleans did, and they hit him hard. I mean, there was some where they were rushing very, very calculated blitzes at him, and he was getting crushed. Seven sacks. Big difference from Green Bay to here. Seven sacks to zero sacks. And, and I'm even going to go a step further than that. N- never mind he was getting hit hard. I have a conspiracy theory about this league where this league is – and I mentioned it to you while we were watching the game yesterday that this league is getting very unwatchable right now because there are so many backup and third-string quarterbacks going in. And I'm really getting the sense that defenses are thinking about not just getting to the quarterback and sacking him. They're thinking about knocking out quarterbacks to have a have versus have not situation. I've seen so many times, whether it's a giant game or any game in this league in the last several weeks, a quarterback going into slide and these guys 
not for one second letting up to try to you know stop a blow. Now whether they call you know a, a personal foul or not, that's in the eyes of the beholder of the refs. But I saw a team that reminded me a little bit of the Greg Williams Bounty Gate Saints defense trying to take out a quarterback. And I don't think that's just Tommy uh, DeVito specific. I think it has nothing to do with thing, doing this or any of that stuff. I just think right now defenses are seeing that get a quarterback out of a game is an advantage. And How do you feel about was, that? Let, let, let's pretend that your theory is sound, right? Let's say that an email <laughs> – let's pretend that an email leaks and there's like some communication between head coach and defensive coordinator that's like, hey – you know, been noticing this, you know, whatever, maybe we can, we can hang around if we're able to hit this guy, he's injury prone and whatever. How, just how does that thought process make you feel? I'm just curious where your, your head's at. I think it's awful. I mean, let's play the game. The game is made to be played within the, in the lines, within the rules. My team is better than your team. When you have to feel you have to get an advantage by taking out the most the most important player on the opposing team, whether he is Joe Montana or whether he is Tommy DeVito, I think that's trash. And I'm I'm not just singling out a trash organization like the Saints that have been you know disgusting uh, na- uh, residents of the NFL for the last 25, 30 years. I think it's it's just in general that um, I don't know. There's no place for it, and I, I, I think it's make it's making the end product even worse by doing that. And you're going to see more and more, you know, fights on the field, more people getting personal fouls, more animosity, more ugliness on the field. Where it's not football anymore. If it starts to become wrestling at some point, so I, I, I think it's awful. So I'm, I'm interested in because I'm an annoying jerk. I always have to play devil's advocate, but. Sure. I I don't I mean, no normal rational sane human being is going to argue against what you said. Uh, totally yeah. agree with you. There's no place for it. It's not competitive. It's not sports. It's uh, strategic. Being a baby is what it is. It's that's how you throw a tantrum. It's 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 you know literally the plot of the Karate Kid and like every other movie, right? <laughs> you're supposed to hate that guy because you sweep the leg. You know what I mean? Like you just don't do that. It's not fun. It's not even, fair. And it's not competitive. You hate it because it's not even. You know, it wasn't uh, Johnny's idea to sweep the leg. Right. It was the coach telling him to sweep the leg. Right. So that's why you hate it even more. Which is, which is essentially what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Co- coaches, you know, whatever, scheming for this. Here's – and I don't want to say it's a counterpoint, but here's something that does come to mind when you say that. I have also noticed, and this goes beyond this year, the rules in the last 20 years, I want to say since the tuck rule and definitely since – Brady towards ACL in the preseason has skewed to not only I mean it, it has brought the NFL to the point where hitting the quarterback is not allowed and I, I I think that that's not football I think that's not competition that's not fun to watch and I, I think it's frustrating but what it does is it leads to bad behavior and what that bad behavior is waiting to the last minute to slide heading towards the sidelines like you're about to run out of bounds and then running up it because you're playing to the defense trying to not get a penalty, trying not to get a $10,000 fine when they only make, you know, 12,000 per game or something like that. You're playing into a, a person's mind and you're you're using the rules to your advantage. Now I'm not saying hit people and knock them out of games. I'm not saying that. I am saying the league has legislated hitting the quarterback almost completely out of the game, which is bad enough and what's worse is 
quarterbacks here and there are taking advantage of it, and I don't like that. Again, I'm not saying hit them. I'm not saying knock them out of the... I'm not saying to do anything that's not within the rules. I am saying the league sort of formulated this problem. They certainly yeah. they certainly set up the dominoes if they didn't knock them over. Mm-hmm. And quarterbacks are taking advantage of that. And the, mine is a conspiracy theory, which I kind of tongue-in-cheek say, but maybe... Four percent of me believes, but the rational answer is what you just said. It's just that, you know, it is harder and harder to be a defender in this league for all things. You know, pass interference rules. You know, things change all the time. What is pass interference? What is it not? Uh, you know, all these different opportunities. They want more offense in this league. I get that, and you know, people also forget too. Football is not played at the speed of instant replay. Football is played in real time with the, the fastest, strongest, biggest athletes in the world playing against each other. And these things do happen. Um, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that these quarterbacks know that and they're going to use that as a crutch to get any sort of competitive advantage also. And I honestly don't know what that balancing act should be between protecting quarterbacks, protecting the integrity of the game, protecting the integrity of defense, and just playing and playing on the field. I don't know how this is going to play out because I feel like, you know, you're right. Every time somebody gets hurt, it's like, see, we need to do more. We need to do more. And more and more penalties are called on things that have nothing to do with a quarterback getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Now, now both sides take it to the extreme. The quarterbacks are doing their little things and the defenses are, you know, oh, 50, a 15 yard penalty. And maybe this guy getting thrown out in return for this guy not playing anymore today, yeah. or maybe this division quarterback who I won't see for the rest of the year, or this team won't jump ahead of me in the division standings or wild card. That's a pretty easy trade off for me. A hundred percent. So, you know, in, in, and, and Tommy DeVito is somebody who ran for 70 yards. He took a wallop of a hit, which, you know, in replay, I can understand, I totally understand why it was flagged on the field, right? He got hit, it sort of looked like he got hit in the head. He might have even got hit in the head. It kind of looked like he, the back took most of it. But regardless, a pretty much lifeless body rolled onto the turf afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like, I, so I get it, it was flagged. You know, just like you said, the game is not played at the speed of instant replay. Instant replay revealed he kind of got hit, looked like between the shoulder blades under the neck. So a clean-ish hit. Kind of looked like led with helmets, so I guess you can flag that. I feel like you could flag just about any tackle in this league if you really wanted to. I feel I feel like they flagged the intent as opposed to flag the actual sure. execution of the hit. Yeah, and I don't really know the answer as to what you do because it doesn't seem – the answer seems to be over time. If you take away the legislation of hits coming out of the league and you know over time newer recruits of college – players getting to the NFL and knowing the rules the same way, you know, forever and not having them change halfway through their career helps, but it's just not practical to just take away all the rules at once. I mean, you just, it, you're not going to do that. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but what I can tell you getting back to this 24 to six loss is that the offensive line is not vastly improved from what it was at the beginning of the year, just because there's some continuity with a couple of guys. They're still bad. Justin Pugh was hard on himself, and he should be. He was awful in this game. He was specifically exploited, kind of, sort of, probably. John Michael Schmidt. Should have. 
Probably. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, our, our left guard is really a tackle and was not playing football when we signed him. It's not surprising he stinks, right? Yeah. Um, he knows what he's doing. He's not clueless out there. He's just not very good. Um, yeah. here's, my, here's my biggest thing. Our own game sucks. It, it, it is so bad. Right now, let's be – can we be honest about what Saquon Barkley is and isn't? Please. Here's my thought, and you can tell me if you disagree. I think Barkley is a guy that can make any one guy miss in the open field. But he is not going to break gang tackles, and he is not going to take on heavy contact. He might break two tackles from two individuals at two different points of the exact same play, but if there are two guys coming at him, he's just going to go down. He's he's not somebody that's going to break multiple tackles at once or escape and, out of out of like a pack of people. Not may, maybe in 2018 he did, but it's been a while since we've seen something like that. And even if he does, it's not going to happen one or two more times on a drive because sure. let's face it this offense now is as is as desperate for him to be great as um tennessee was when they had derrick henry at his greatness mm-hmm. that was a team that had basically no passing game their offense was derrick henry straight ahead derrick henry left derrick henry right and you know probably better offensive line better running back but he was their offense and he can deliver Saquon Barkley's not that guy, and this is no. obvious. Well, so, so that's what I was going to say, and it's not his fault. I don't think he ever really was that guy. So, fine. I don't think ever wanted him to be that guy either. I, and I'll, I'll second that. I, I think even he let slip last uh, in his contract negotiations this year when he was talking about last year, he was practicing and practicing and practicing being this receiver out of the backfield, and then injuries happened or whatever happened, and last minute they're like, they need you to run between the tackles. So he had shed weight, he had done all this work, and now they were asking him to do something completely differently, which I would argue he was never good at running between the tackles or taking on contact. He wasn't, like, horrible at it, but he's not great at it, and he never really was. To he me— like on, He doesn't like taking on uh, contact at all because we've been complaining for years about his lack of, of pass blocking, Yeah. too. Yeah. So he just—the guy just does not—and that's— that's not who you is. That's fine. That You're there are running backs that succeed that way. They just Barry tend Sanders to that way. Yeah. They they tend to receive well and they, they like he's the kind of guy that when running the ball, he's going to hit the edges really really well. He can hit a hole and break one when a defense is worn down. I would say in the second half. But for the most part, I I don't want him to be a, a quarter one and two workhorse. And I know that they probably don't want that for him either they want him to be a receiving back but eric gray is not a between the tackles guy either to me they didn't prioritize his compliment and i i think this has been the problem from the beginning with saquon barkley the moment he got hurt and you knew i mean like 2019 or whenever he got hurt for the first time with the acl i think it was the very beginning of 19 right you knew he wasn't going to come back and be the exact same guy at a certain point it's been years it's 2023 his compliment at this point is somebody who will ram it between the tackles and will get the tough yards. To me, that's the compliment. And that doesn't mean that Saquon Barkley only sees the, the field on third down as a receiving back. It just means when you need to establish a running game, I don't think Saquon is the guy. 
but here's the thing, though. You know, in spite of all the things going against him, you know, you have a you're playing with a third string quarterback, so you can see linebackers and safeties are creeping up. They're not afraid of anything deeper, so they're they're playing to stop the run. Also, in fact, we have an offensive line that just does not run block, who can't handle. And that's the other the, thing too. Yeah, I'm not for, putting this all on Barkley. But for all of these things, as long as Rome is for four yards, I mean. If if we're putting Saquon Barkley in that up, upper echelon of wide of running backs where everybody thinks is, you know, this great guy who deserves to get paid and, you know, holdouts and all this nonsense or something, it's not that he, you know, just hasn't broken anything at all. I just never get the sense watching a game when it matters that, like, he's going to. Like, do you ever get the sense, like, it's just a matter of time? He just missed that. Or, no, it's – he's a non-factor in this. And – a non-factor is a long way down the pole from, oh, he's just missing, and oh, and he is breaking out and doing these things. He's just, he's a body right now. No, I I, I'm not gonna. That's that's too far for me. Uh, I know what I know what you're saying, but I, I think, and I think several times this year there were times where I said like a ah, healthier Barkley because he had the high ankle sprain early on. There were a couple times I said a, high, a, a healthy Barkley takes that one to the house, and they're like you know they're 11 yard gains, but it's like the last possible guy tripped him up. So like it, it is there. He is breaking it, and that Packers game too, that fumble. That was the one. That was the break. And honestly, that really is the game sealer if he doesn't fumble. Which, again, it's his fault not taking it off of him or whatever, but was weird. It was a weird play. I'm not sure that that's a fumble if it's not called a fumble on the field. So, whatever. I need something, I need something like that almost every game. I understand that. But, so, but, but again. That was like a rare exception this year. I, 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 I agree with that. Yeah, it's the injury too. It's the offensive line this year too. It's the fact that they've been pretty much playing with a back quarterback all year. All those things I think factor into that. And and I'm not I'm not fully taking away from what you're saying, but I do think that to me, like, like the Packers game is the perfect example. That run where he had the fumble down the sideline, that to me is where Saquon Barkley um, enjoys the fruits of three quarters worth of running labor. Right? If you have a Brandon Jacobs type to hammer between the tackles for three quarters, you have a lead, and then the defense kind of has to sell out because they know you're trying to run the clock down, so they all come up to the line of scrimmage. Barkley is the guy that will breeze past, especially sure. when, when he's not the workhorse and he has fresher legs. He will run past a cover zero kind of defense that's all out to stop the run, and he'll take it to the house. I do think that he's that guy. I don't think it works when he doesn't have fresh legs, when everyone is choking up to the line of scrimmage, and when they have a bad offensive line, and when they have a bad quarterback. I think all of those factors make Saquon Barkley less of what he is, but I think we also need to be honest about what Saquon Barkley really is. He's not a workhorse back, and what he needs to be the best Barkley he can is a workhorse back to take that responsibility off of his shoulders. Well, I was going to say what all that is 100% true, but the way we look at Saquon Barkley is what was he or not what he is now or what the best Barkley can be. It's going to be now that, you know, we lost to new Orleans, this season's over. We're not making the playoffs. Our eyes have to be looking forward 2024 and beyond is what is Saquon Barkley? What can he really be with this current and potential projected future roster construction? And do we want to pay for the services of that 
given all these limitations we have around him. And that's going to be one of the major questions of this offseason. Is there really a place for him going forward for the, the amount of money it's going to cost? So when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, is that something you want to talk about? Now? You want to do just the yeah. offense? All right, all right. Yeah, so yeah. so thrown up on the screen there, that's, that is the offensive alignment, uh, more or less, <laughs> um, with a, a trips formation to the left, <laughs> I guess, and a single back set. There's um, a seal here and a seal there. Yeah. Uh, all of those starters have a different font and are listed at the top, and everyone listed in red is not under contract in 2024. There's, I, I didn't get crazy with RFAs, ERFAs, UFAs, or dead years, or anything like that. This is just straight up under contract or not under 2024. And I think you can see, like, what what are some things that jump out to you right away as a major concern? A major concern right now is I'm looking at offensive line that's really bad right now, and I see two guys that are not under contract, and I see a third guy that is, if there's a different color you can put in for Evan Neal of may not be in this position next year even, I, I, I see is number one and number two fix for this team because it doesn't really matter who you have on the outside. It doesn't really matter who's running the ball. I see there's two reds at running back. If defensive linemen and linebackers are in the backfield, when you get to two Mississippi, it doesn't <laughs> matter. So we got to, you know, I, you can't see my finger right there, but I am circling this offensive line as priority one, two, and three right now. So that's interesting because I know a lot of people, and I wouldn't say they're wrong, but without question, without batting their eyes, without thinking for more than a millisecond, will tell you quarterback is need number one and I'm not going to say that they're wrong but here's what I will say and it's it's December 16th 15th 16th mm-hmm. um so it's still early and I am we are gonna do our off-season stuff when it's time to do off-season stuff but little glimpse I, we were talking about this on Sunday I I agree with you I am I don't care if Evan Neal kicks into guard by game one next year. I honestly think that if you bring if the Giants bring in a bona fide right tackle in the draft, let's say let's say the draft first. Um if they bring in I, I think you just have an open competition. Evan Neal or new guy, right? And I think you make your decision pretty quickly because Evan Neal as a blocker is not terrible. His problem at tackle is getting out of his fucking stance. I, I'm sorry. He He's too slow. When he is in good position, he does a pretty decent job. His problem is he's always in bad position because he's late. And it doesn't matter how good of a blocker you are. If you're not at your spot when you need to be, you will not deliver a good block. So if he is still in three years at the beginning of next year not able to get out of his stance by training camp, I say you fucking give up. I don't care anymore. It's because because we're not talking about hand placement. We're not talking about leverage. We're not talking about drive. We're not talking about putting on weight. We're not trying to talk about staying healthy. We're simply talking about getting out of your stance on time. If he still can't do that by year three, I say kick him inside. Because yeah, he might get bowled over, but he's not going to get beaten around. And that's and, one of the biggest problems we've been having. And he won't have to worry about kicking his right leg out and getting to a spot. He just needs to get up. That's it. 
He's just got to get his hands up and stay low. That's it. He doesn't need to get to a spot and kick out his right leg for a really fast guy. He's just got to get up, and he's got help on either side of him. Now, he still needs to deal with stunts. I'm not saying the guard position's easy. I'm just I, saying I, I'm, I'm fine replacing him. Forget it. Fuck it. He's a decent – he has skill, and he's under contract. I'm fine moving him into guard. And I don't want to find out from a division rival that our first-round pick <laughs> – is better at guard than tackle, even for one year. I don't care that it didn't work beyond that. It worked for a year. It means that we probably should have done it sooner. I have two points I want to get to. First, going back to um, the offensive line and stunts. This team has not been able to handle stunts for a while now. And to me, I am questioning as much coaching as it is actual ability of, you know, physical ability of this offensive line. We've been talking about this team can't pick up a stunt to save its life for how long now? Definitely as long as, you know, Dable's been coach. I think you know, it goes beyond that. Exactly. We haven't had a good offensive line in what feels like forever, so. Exactly. But that specifically, it's just like, we can't handle a stunt. We can't handle a stunt. That, to me, at some point, it's like, that's that gets on his coaching. And I, if you guys know me, you know I am a player's play guy. I don't like, I don't blame things on coaching nearly as much as other people do. But this, to me, it's like, Something as basic as a stunt, you can't see this coming, and we look so completely unprepared for it where it just happens again and again and again in a particular game. I'm, I'm blaming coaching on that as much as, as a talent. Well, uh, I'm so right there with you, but I do have a question. Why is it that Justin Pugh, who's been in this league for forever, can't pick up a stunt? I, I'm, I'm honestly asking because I don't – I agree with you. That sounds like a coaching problem, Right. It sounds like a film room problem, but also stunts are just a normal part. And I'm not an offensive lineman. I never played offensive line, wide receiver, defensive end, running back, the only Justin, and, and corner. That's it. But Justin Pugh wasn't a, a giant before he'd still be on his couch. That's the only reason. That's why. Okay, that's a, that's it's a fair only, answer. Only reason why he's on this team. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Um, the second thing I want to talk about. We go back to the quarterback again, where you said you know a lot of people would say quarterback. Now, I know there were a lot of Giant fans that, A, didn't like the draft pick from day one and were against him. B, you know, disappointed in his lack of development in his first couple of years. C, think he's an injury risk. But for everybody else who would say number one pick uh, need is quarterback, you are not thinking that. And be honest with yourself until we started flirting with the possibility of a top three, top two pick. All of a sudden, when it's like, oh, we might be able to get Caleb Williams. Oh, we might be able to get May. Oh, we might be able to get name your quarterback. That's when you decided I'm done with uh, Daniel Jones. I've always had a very uh, – my position has been the same all along through this thing. If you have the opportunity to get a get-out-of-jail-free card and get out of that contract and do – we're still in a rebuild on a much cheaper quarterback deal after 2024. That's why I make the upgrade or make the, make the draft pick. I'm not doing it because of ability of Daniel Jones. I think we were all kind of, when the contract happened, we, me and you did that analysis. We went through all 32 starting quarterbacks and we thought that the money that we gave was roughly in line with where we ranked him in the top 32. So I think a lot of this is a bit of revisionist. Oh, they, they got visions of with the first pick, the Giants select X and all of a sudden want to kick the quarterback to the curb. But if you really 
take a deep look on what you see this team needs. And look at this this sheet that Grunt put up. You will see that that is not the biggest need on this team. And if you watched a game like yesterday where a guy like Tommy DeVito, you think he's been hot shit the last couple of weeks? Imagine what he'd be like with an actual offensive line. <laughs> All of a sudden, he might be a pretty decent enough guy who can come in and play and win a game for a game or two. Yeah, in regards to the looking at this and what I see, right? I'm not going to disagree with anything he said, so uh, right. no reason to go on. Um, I will I will note that with this loss, we are back inside the top 10. We're picking at pick seven, so not an awful spot to be picking a quarterback or at least be considering one. You're, you're within trading distance, I would say. But in any case, when I look at this, I mean, Isaiah Hodgins is a restricted free agent. That covers the uh, – that's sort of – X receiver or whatever. Um, you know, and you can get another Z receiver to follow up Wandale Robinson if you want to. Just somebody short and shifty. Probably a veteran presence is somebody you want. But I look at this and the number one thing is our right tackle stinks and is hurt. Our left tackle got hurt again and we have no tackle depth. We didn't when we started. We still don't. That's a huge problem. Our what best... Was our, what was our number one concern going into the season? Tackle depth. And, uh, you know, our best offensive lineman year-round in terms of availability and ability, you know, combined, probably for 2023 is Ben Bredesen, is not under contract. Since Andrew Thomas lost, missed a bunch of time. Not his fault, but missed time. There's no backup center to be spoken of. Um, and there's really no left guard. I, I, I've always viewed Josh Azudu as a wonderful utility offensive lineman that has a ton of versatility but was never really a starter. And that's great because he can play as long as you have him ready for game day on like three spots on the offensive line at least. That's great. But he's not a starter. And we saw that this year. I think that that's – and I'm not worried about Barkley. I'm not worried about Breda. Those are usually – you can probably retain Barkley if you want him. You can replace for cheap if you want. Lawrence Cager, I don't care. But again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have anybody blocking for him. Exactly. And at the end of the day, and, and I, I, don't get me wrong, I would love a shiny new quarterback. I, I would be happy to think about uh, think about more than just one year of good Daniel Jones play. I would love to be hopeful for more. So I'm not against a quarterback in the top ten. I'm not, not against any of that. But to me, the glaring thing, when I look at this, it's the offensive line. It's a fucking mess. You know? Yeah. And, and, and it's kind of funny, uh, and we're going to get flipped to the defense, I think, at a, I think in about a minute. Um, but when Joe Shane got here, the number two, the number one and two needs were the number one and two picks. And they're still the same needs going into 2024, probably, with edge and tackle. If you were to pick one need from each side of the ball. Uh, you have anything else to say on Tommy DeVito and the offense before moving on to the defensive side of the ball in this game and going forward? Uh, I do not. I don't want to talk about last night's game anymore. Um, well, here, here's here's what I'm going to say about last last night's game. Two things, because they're they're important pieces for building on and what we already have. Jalen Hyatt was 0 for 3. No catches on three targets. They were all tough catches, but that's what we needed to see from him. And we have seen him make tough catches this year. So 0 for 3 in a game where we needed catches, not good. Now let's flip to the defense. Dory Jackson was terrible in this game. I mean, first of all, this defense was bad. This is I don't want to say the defense is the reason they lost, and a portion of my conspiracy theory 
brain that I shut off and didn't write a note for is that <laughs> this was the game where the defense was like, offense, help us out a little bit. Even though there was no need. With no Chris Olave and no Ryan Ramchek, there was no reason for the defense to need the offense to score tons of points in this game. But, I mean, giving up... At one point, the Saints... Derek Carr and the Saints, without their better tackle and their best wide receiver, were 7 for 7 on third down, including like a third and 21. That is not – you will never win a football game like that. And it's funny to me that Adoree Jackson is the one that got smoked so badly. Um, I don't really understand what happened. I don't know lots of zone coverage in this game. I don't know what we were doing. That's not really the identity of the team. I don't know if that's because maybe Cordell Flott was pretty shitty last week. But, you know, I, I personally, I don't go into games game planning based on what happened last week too much. I, I try to game plan based on what we do best and what they do poorly. Uh, and if they do something really great, I try to take it away. That's I look at things game by game. I try to forget last week as much as I can. I'm confused. I don't know what happened in the defense in this game. Uh, I want your thoughts. Sometimes you just play bad games. <laughs> I honestly do. I mean, I think you can look at every team around the league this year and be like, what was that stinker? And I think that I think this was just one of those stinkers. I think I think there is something to the, you know, what you said before. This defense has really been keeping this team relevant for the last almost month or so. And I think when the de- when the offense all of a sudden had one of those stinker games, I just think this defense kind of ran out of gas, emotional gas almost. We 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 saw it just you know every time there was a play to be made, there was a play not to be made. And that's I think this is one of those. I think they just took took a breath and you know just the air is out of the tires a little bit type of game. And it happens in this league. But- it's a lot. It's a lot for every week to have to pull your weight constantly and play at a level of almost perfection and the way you know i i don't care last week i think is more is going to look obviously more like the anomaly in the Tommy devito era than you know the norm but the norm of this team is this team doesn't score in the first quarter this team struggles to score touchdowns this team struggles to to, to do well on third down that means that defense is on the field a lot and they can't make any mistakes and i just think that you know New Orleans is a place we've always struggled. We've always given up, but we've actually, relatively speaking, played pretty well considering some of these prior performances we've done in New Orleans. So, well, my my conspiracy theory is that the the defense went into zone coverage more often as a designed fuck you to the offense. You know what I mean? Like that's why I said it was a conspiracy theory. Like I've never seen us play so much zone, and we were very bad at it. It's really weird to me that we did that. I don't because of the because of New Orleans offense or because of our our offense. Well, I don't know why the hell you change what you do when a team. Well, think about think about it from this way. You're Wink Martindale. You have this defense at your disposal. Derek Carr, who has been shitty this year, is without his better tackle and without his number one wide receiver. Why the hell are you changing what you do? I think, I think these coaches sometimes play 4D chess. I, I understand that. And that's, and that's that fine. Did you say Green Bay also? Like why they change what they normally do? Well, I, I think that Green Bay made a very stupid calculated decision that was, okay, last week New England sent pressure their, his way and 
he either completed a long pass and put them in field goal range or they sacked him. We're going to make him beat us. That was a calculated decision that I understand and it makes sense. I just don't uh, agree with. This uh, doesn't make sense to me. I don't I don't make the connection a team that has a quarterback that has not been playing well is now less protected and has less of a reliable receiver to throw to we're gonna sit back that doesn't make sense to me i don't know why wink the master of aggression and when it's when your back's against the wall you yeah exactly i don't understand that you you're gonna drop into zone maybe and i will accept we're gonna play 4d chess because i've even suggested it against young quarterbacks right I was sure, like, th- put out, put eleven guys at the line and drop into coverage. Confuse the absolute piss out of them. Yeah. That that didn't work at all in this game. We had one sack was on a Jason Pinnock blitz, but the rest of the time it didn't look like Derek Carr had any trouble deciding where to go or having time to do it. And having the guy there available to get it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, there were guys were wide open. We are not good in zone coverage because we didn't build a roster to be good at it. Right. Yeah, I, I, How many times have we said on this show, this is a wink guy we got? Yeah. This is for, why are we making moves for a wink defense when they don't like each other? So we specifically crafted that side of the ball to be the image of what he wants to do, and all of a sudden, let's not. Yeah. The defense might as well have his face on it. Yeah. Um, and and uh, let's, let's look at the defense. This is um, – this is what our defense looks like in 2024 as soon as the uh, the final whistle blows on week uh, 18 of this year for the New York Giants. The first thing that jumps out at me, honestly, is the fact that we have literally zero linebacker depth. I'm not going to lie. That is the first thing that jumps out at me. But if I critically analyze biggest needs, it's a three-way tie for me. And I don't know about you, but I think that when I look at a super young secondary like this, uh, a veteran badass at safety, and I don't know that Xavier McKinney is that guy, but he's leaving, and I think that leaves a void for a veteran badass at safety. I think that Adoree Jackson puts Trey Hawkins in a very precarious position, not just with expectations, but also with health. I mean, we don't really have any corner... Hang on, hang on just one more thing. We don't have any corner depth to really speak of, and... I look at opposite Kayvon Thibodeau. I see no depth behind Thibodeau. I see opposite him is suspect. And then behind that is a completely different player. He's not really a pass rusher. He's a really strong run defender on the edge. I see problems at all three spots, and I have trouble deciding what is the biggest problem. To me, they're equally the biggest problem. And I'm, I'm curious what you think. Well, I also would have Aziz Ozolari in a different color again because – I just can't rely on him being on the field that often. So, yeah, he's under contract. Yeah, on paper, he'll be starting next year. But will he be in week one? Will he be around in week one through five? I don't know. And Maybe honestly, not. what we've seen from him in being unhealthy and then being healthy and then being unhealthy again, wouldn't you say that he probably thrives in the sub role? Yeah. I don't yeah. think he's a – I'm not saying he's a bad starter. I think he's a pretty capable starter when he's healthy. I just think that if you get to give him – get him in there in place of Kayvon Thibodeau to give Kayvon a blow and have Kayvon only play, let's say, 75% of snaps or something like that, and then Aziz only has to play 25% of snaps, I think you get the best of both players. My, my defensive philosophy if I'm a GM is pretty simple. I put the priority on as closest to where the ball is snapped and work my way out. 
that to me means I need to fortify this defensive line. I need to fortify these edges because if if I can have and maintain a constant pass rush, it makes everybody behind me all their lives a lot easier. And I don't need to have pro bowlers, you know, on both corners and in safety back there. I need I need rocks up front. And to me, so I, I'm well, yeah, you know, there's potential that Trey Hawkins may be the starter next year and we have to figure out things at safety and all that. But to me, I want I want badasses up front. I want somebody that's a compliment that came on Thibodeau on the outside that says, OK, when I come into this game, I better be prepared for a constant pass rush, a way to, that, that, that some, these guys are going to be troubled with, with the running game. And then that all helps out everything else behind it. So to me, my biggest thing is um, an opposite of Kayvon Thibodeau. And I'm not going to disagree with that, I, mainly because I can't choose myself, so it's hard to disagree. But I would say that another thing that is really concerning that we didn't mention is, you know, we're only looking at contracts. Cordell Flott is really shitty playing the slot. Yeah. Uh, Darnay Holmes is not much better in this defense because he's not a good man corner. The best one on there is probably Aaron Robinson, who might as well be John Doe at this point. <laughs> and I know Dan Duggan's position is that he was hurt. There's no specific need for him to come back in terms of position, positional value. Like, they're not on a playoff run right now. Not really, anyway. Um, no corners are hurt. Everybody is healthy at the corner position. In fact, the entire secondary is healthy, as far as I know. McKinney, Owens, Pinnock, Belton, McCain, Banks, McLeod, Flott, Holmes, Jackson, and Haw- all those all those guys are healthy. Yeah. The only one who's not healthy is Aaron Robinson. So why rush him back? And that's fair. But also, if he were any good, and if he were any available, he would probably be beating out Cordell Flott to be the starter at, at slot. And, and I... I- and I'm a big fan of Aaron Robinson. I think he fits this defense perfectly. I think he fits the slot perfectly. I I like him for this defense. But if he's not going to be around, he's not going to be around. Now, I'm not going to uh, let his status affect any decision I make. But the fact remains that of those three, if you're going to discount Aaron Robinson as someone who is not someone to rely on, they don't have a single slot corner. Not one. I think there's something else on this uh, this graphic which you don't have on here. And even though it's not a player... And it's not a color-coded thing. It's something that's going to be hovering over this as a specter of Wink. how this all changes. Yes, is Wink Martindale back next year? No kidding. Whether he, whether he is either fired, gets a takes a lateral position somewhere else to save face, whether he gets a head coaching job, that scrambles this board up completely because you like we just said five minutes ago, Wink Martindale defense guys brought in to fit what he wants to do. And unless there is a Wink Martindale cloning factory somewhere down the street where we can just bring in 2.0 of him, we may have a defensive coordinator who has significant tweaks to what we're doing now, a wholesale change to what we're doing now, which might mean that somebody who is still under contract or something we think is stable for next year may be yesterday's news and may be gone. So – that is something that is really going to hover over this for a while of you know what this board might mean. I, I'm going to wrap up my thoughts because we didn't do special teams. Um, or, sorry, we. I, I just included you in my work here. I didn't, I didn't make a graphics <laughs> for, for special teams. 
Um, I approved it, so it was good. Yeah. I, uh, here, here's what one thing I think. And this is the thing that troubles me the most. I look at these two graphics that I made, and I see a problem. To me, the problem is the offense needs less pieces to function the way that I want it to function. And I don't mean the guys in red. I mean some of the guys in red are easily replaced, cheaply replaced, or you think are coming back on a deal or something like that. I think it takes less moves to fix the offense. When I look at this defense, just look at the amount of red. There's not a single fucking depth linebacker on this team. Not one. There's... No depth now, at corner. Remember, remember one thing now. Let's caveat this a little bit. That doesn't mean that everybody in red is not coming back. That's not my point. My point is that yeah, yeah, there yeah, there yeah, are yeah. more moves that need to happen. Yeah. There's more that needs to happen on defense. But but which is more important? I, I, I mean, I have to – like I said, there are three glaring issues for starters on defense between safety, corner, and edge. I think you got a serious problem at slot corner, and I think you have a serious problem when you consider linebacker depth. That's literally every level of the defense, okay? Then you flip to the offense, and yes, you have a serious issue on the offensive line. Yes, you got a, a quarterback problem, and those are, those are the more expensive problems. You have a tackle and, and, and quarterback are the two most expensive positions in the sport. So you have both sides of the ball still after how many years of rebuilding this roster and I understand different GMs different coaches I understand all that but as a fan looking at this after a year that was successful last year I am looking at two sides of the ball that need significant investment to improve and I have to err on the side of offense scores points the league has been legislated to the point of scoring points winning games fix the fucking offense Forget the defense. I don't care if they give up 25 points a game. I need an offense that consistently scores 28 to 35 points every single game. We have to get there first. That has to happen. The best teams in this league right now, the teams that you know, everybody thinks are the Super Bowl contenders, are San Francisco, Philly, Dallas, Miami, Baltimore. And almost every one of those teams – Scores, 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 scores. They play shootouts. They win shootouts. They don't mind being in shootouts. I mean, I think I think Baltimore is the exception of that. But they're that's let's put them aside for a second. You know, the only reason Miami is in that conversation for a team that could you know go do damage is because they can score a ton of points. You watch a a, a 49er game, even with a you know a a a story I think is just as good if not better. Than Tommy DeVito, a quarterback, they put up you know, they put up forty plus points against the best teams in this league. You know, Dallas, Jekyll and Hyde, home uh, on the road. But you know something, when they're rolling, they're scoring a thousand points. Philly, you mean when they're at home? A lot. Ooh, oh, the Dallas? Yeah. When they're at home, yeah, different story on the road. But when they're at home, they're scoring a thousand points. So I, I agree with you completely. That's the way this this league is going. You know, it's. Who has the healthier quarterback and the healthier quarterback scores the points, protect that quarterback, A, keep him upright, keep him safe, keep him healthy, and then protect him so he can do his job. That means, you know, your receivers can get open, you're going to have a, a wisp of a running game. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And also, it's more fun to watch, to be very honest. Even if we're not going to be a championship team next year, I'd rather watch a game where it's, you know, 28-21 as opposed to 
19 is 12. You and I high-five in the stance for all 45 seconds after a sack. After a touchdown, what is it, five and a half minutes? Oh, yeah. Because you got you got the the touchdown, then the three replays to confirm it, the extra point mm-hmm. kick, and then you have all that time for commercial. Then you have the kickoff. We're all still thinking about the touchdown. That I'm sack, thinking, there's another I'm play. back in the New York group for a sack. No, and I mean I, I chose a sack, you know, an interception or a fumble recovery. Yeah, I, I, I get it, but it, but it's but it's pretty quick. It's one it's one commercial break before the offense is on the field, and you have to score points. The defense scores sometimes more recently, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, that's kind of where we are with this. We're we're thinking about next year. The Devito story is still fun. I I am not out on the Devito story. I'm going to continue. Uh, one last thing about the DeVito Raising story. the cutlet. Go ahead. I have one thing. Um, I believe it was today or maybe it was last night. Uh, Brian Dable said that Tommy DeVito will still be the starting quarterback going forward because he, quote, earned it. Do you believe that – two-part question for you, Grub. One, has he earned the right to start? And B, has anybody on this team earned the right to start, to be very honest? I'm going to answer your question. I, I do think that there's an easy answer for this, and I don't know if you're going to agree with it. I don't okay. think that Tommy DeVito earned a right to start. I think that he earned enough to show that he is willing to learn week after week. He clearly does not let things bother him when he screws up. He has a good job of clean slate. So he has qualities that you can say he earned it. He scored points. He also screwed up. He has remained even through all of it, okay? He seems to be, from my eyes, which are uneducated, very coachable. I would say this is less about what he's earned and more about what Tyrod Taylor has not earned. Tyrod Taylor screwed the Bills game. He ruined it. And I don't, I'm not talking about play, right now we're not talking about playoffs, but last week, that was important. That was very important for the playoffs. I think it's less about what Tommy DeVito has earned because you're right. Very few people on this roster have earned anything. Some, very few. It's more about what a veteran was incapable of doing. And he ruined a very veteran play at the end of the half that killed Twice. the Bills game. <laughs> in, the same, in the same game. Twice. Yes. I, I think we're talking more about Tyrod Taylor has not lived up to the – he hasn't done what he needs to do. Ability-wise, he's what we expect. Veteran, mental-wise, decision-making – he screwed up, and he's always been the injury guy. You put them together, I'd rather just roll it. At this point, why? You're not going to re-sign Tyrod. And it's not future thinking, but I think if you want to give Tommy any kudos, he hasn't made the huge mental error. And he's the one who gets the mulligan for it. That's my that's my thought. I, 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 I agree with it, I think. But no, he hasn't. The 31 points against Washington, the 24 against Green Bay, and I know there's some defensive points against Washington. Those things, those are not reasons Tommy DeVito is starting, in my opinion. I I, I agree. I, I think it was the wrong choice of words, which um, no, I think it was the said, I think it was the diplomatic choice of words. It didn't yeah, throw yeah. Tyrod under the bus. Yeah, this is still one of the worst offenses in the league, and still one of the, the worst passing offenses in the league. And and DeVito's QBR numbers, but if we want to start, think we just spent you know. 30 minutes talking about the future and looking what needs to be upgraded. And, you know, one of the things that needs to be upgraded on this team is backup quarterback. And, you know, a coach may say they still want to win. 
But, you know, there there's more to it than just that. And there it, it, having like you said, having uh, Tyrod Taylor play, who's not going to be on this team next year, it's kind of a waste of time. Okay, maybe they win the Philly game in Week 17 when they're playing their third-string quarterback, and it's completely meaningless to them. But I think you're getting more out of not even so much of the let's see what we, we have with Tommy DeVito, but actually let's give him meaningful reps to build on. And then you know decisions are always made each and every year. We don't know what's going to happen next year. We may get a backup quarterback in the draft. They may find somebody they really like, and this is all moot. But while he's while he's here, let's make every snap count towards something. Even if it's not towards a meaningless victory, it's for developing him, giving him reps, giving him game experience, giving him more confidence going into the offseason. So, yes, I, I think it's just – I think the word used was a little curious and odd, but um, – I would keep rolling with DeVito because at this point there's more positives to than negatives. And to me winning, I don't need to win these games going forward. Next game is on Christmas day against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. Um, when are we, are we doing a Thursday? Are we still doing a Thursday? I think so. Right. We could do it Thursday, absolutely. Yeah, so normal Friday morning preview episode for that Eagles game. It's going to be the most wonderful time of the year and also the worst game you've ever watched. Um, but we'll, we will get into all that Friday morning. Be sure to stay tuned on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and, of course, YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Football underscore Grump, at the Cranky Fan, at Just Giants Pod. And we will see you all Friday morning for a merry, merry Christmas episode. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants. Thank you.